Join us as we celebrate Black History Month, where we'll honor Komen researchers dedicated to helping us reduce health disparities in Black women, encourage Black women to know their family history and risk factors, and empower Black women to share their personal stories. Together, we stand for H-E-R, a health equity revolution. Support for The Real Pink Podcast comes from Ford Warriors in Pain. To date, Ford has dedicated $138 million to fight against breast cancer. When you shop FordCares.com, 100% of the net proceeds help provide transportation solutions for patients in need. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. A range of factors can contribute to the development of breast cancer. A fact that Dr. Lauren McCullough, an Atlanta-based breast cancer epidemiologist, knows all too well. She studies a wide range of contributing factors, from race and ethnicity to genetics and other biomarkers. Black women are still diagnosed at later stages with more aggressive tumors and are less likely to survive. But advances in research are leading to improvements in breast cancer care for Black women and for all women. Here to tell us about her research and the advances we might see in the future is Dr. Lauren McCullough. Dr. McCullough, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I think this is so important to talk about, um, and I really appreciate you joining us today. So let's start with what led you to get involved in breast cancer research. Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've always, I guess, had an interest in, in thinking about cancer. My father was diagnosed when I was a sophomore in college, and he succumbed to his cancer pretty quickly. It was long. Um, and so from there, I thought, you know, maybe I would go to med school and become an oncologist. And um, when I got to Meharry Medical College, I realized that many of the questions and thoughts I had about cancer, how it was diagnosed, how it was treated, how people were, you know, living, surviving their cancers, many of those questions and, and intriguing factors weren't necessarily be, being, you know, addressed in my anatomy and physiology classes. Um, and, you know, I thought about things like the social environment, you know, the, the built environment, social and structural factors. Um, and so I decided that being a researcher was probably a better fit for all of my questions. And, and breast cancer sort of emerged as, as an important cancer, one, because um, I knew the disparities were just so great. It disproportionately affected African-American women. Um, but then also because there are a lot of grassroots organizations that, um, you know, really have centered around breast cancer. And so the availability of funding and the ability to really make an impact was also there for breast. So that's, that's how I got into cancer and then specifically into breast cancer. Oh man, I, I love your focus on making an impact, and it feels like this is this is great research and so important uh, for helping to make an impact for so many people. Um, so, I know you describe your work as about as being about exploring what goes on above the skin and below the skin. What do you mean by that? Good question. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my mantra, and. What I mean is that typically when we think of ourselves as researchers or, you know, specialists in, in certain disease sites, you usually come at it from one angle. You know, either you're biologically based or you think more about the social aspects. But I think about it from a total person perspective and you can't separate their biology from their social environment. And I think it's 
we have to, as, as researchers and scientists, break out of these silos and these boxes that we tend to put ourselves in and start to think more holistically, you know, the way people live and interact and experience the world. And so um, I think it's important if we're thinking about social constructs and factors, you know, you don't just experience racism or discrimination or a poor food environment or lack of access that's manifested in some way biologically, whether it's through immune response or inflammation that actually drives cancer. Cancer is a disease of cells. And so there has to be a biologic manifestation. And so really understanding how those typically thought of social factors get under the skin um, is, is one of the important areas of our research group. Hmm. Okay. And so what have been some of the key findings from your disparities research so far? Yeah, so our, our first big paper was, was published in 2019, and that really set the stage for all the work that we have done since then. And so what we were really interested in was just broadly understanding differences by race, um, by a number of different factors. And so a, a few highlights are, are that we found that women with low-stage breast cancer um, still had big disparities. So we know that Black women are more likely to be diagnosed with late stage, which drives mortality. But even women with early stage disease, Black women are more likely to, to end up dying. Another factor was that um, women with ER estrogen receptor positive disease, um, which really have effective treatments, um, Black women are more likely to die, um, whereas those that are estrogen receptor negative or triple negative, those tend to be more aggressive. Um, the disparities weren't as great. And so really what we're seeing are big disparities in disease subtypes of breast cancer that we have good treatments for. And so, you know, from a very basic perspective, we shouldn't be seeing differences if we had those treatments available and they're effective. And then the last major finding was that um, we know how much socioeconomic status or SES is related to almost every health outcome. What we found was that even women that lived in higher socioeconomic neighborhoods, Black women were twice as likely to die than their white counterparts living in those same neighborhoods. So, you know, that really is counterintuitive to, I think, the paradigm that, that we've been existing under, which is, you know, get people in education, get them access, put them in better neighborhoods, they should have better outcomes. And for breast cancer, at least in Atlanta, that just wasn't the case. We still are seeing, you know, Black women being twice as likely to die. And so those three findings have really um, propelled the research that we've done since that initial paper. Hmm. So I, I know you may not have a definitive answer to this next question, but, but I, Maybe, maybe you can give us a working theory or some thoughts, but why are outcomes for Black women with breast cancer much worse than their white counterparts, despite similar, like you said, socioeconomic statuses and other seemingly favorable factors? Yeah. So all the work in hypothesis, but you know, one of the things that I think we failed to do as a science is to really understand the structural um, barriers in, in thinking about health inequities. And I think the COVID pandemic really highlighted that, um, you know, racial and ethnic minorities experience substantial barriers um, in terms of, you know, comorbid conditions, um, sort of the long-term effects of, of, of racism and discrimination in this country and stress, um, the, the physiologic and, and psychologic effects of just being Black in America and, and how that 
may impact a woman's ability to navigate navigate these systems up during post-diagnosis. And so really going back to basics um, and, and understanding how you know, structures and policies impact breast cancer mortality is kind of where we are. And, and when we've we've seen some interesting things with redlining, you know, having an association with mortality, residential racial segregation, um, and even things around social cohesion, just being around people that look like you and understand you and, and can relate to some of your experiences are things that we've never previously considered in research and, and, and are very important um, when you consider the demographic group. And so understanding that and then Again, how those things get under the skin, how are they biologically manifested? Um, we're seeing changes in, in the epigenome, which is um, a layer on top of your genome, which is malleable, um, and other changes in, in biologic markers from some of these exposures. So that's where our, our research is moving and, and where I think the field is, is moving. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so, so moving in a different direction here on, onto an, another topic, um, We've, I've talked on this show a lot of times to a lot of guests about clinical trials. And I'm curious, uh, do you encourage Black women to participate in clinical trials and, and why or why not? Yes. So I think it's, I think it's really important. Um, we know that they have been systematically excluded from trials in the past. And I think that that actually has important implications for why we're seeing disparities. Um, we've seen, for example, with certain um, certain, I guess, tests like Oncotype, where they use these tests to determine whether or not a woman should get a certain therapy. Well, those, those models weren't created using a representative sample of people. So they weren't created with Black women in those trials. And so those models don't necessarily work for our population. And so I think it's really important if we're going to have you know, predictive tests of recurrence, or we're going to have new treatments, then those treatments need to be tested and vetted in women, in all women that are going to receive them, irrespective of race, ethnicity, or, you know, the presence of a comorbid condition like obesity. Um, so it is really important because we don't know how effective they are unless they are rolled out in, in a very diverse population. So it is important that we, we have um, women of color participating in trials it's also important that our providers and clinicians who are leading those trials and running those trials um, are aware of, of the barriers to participation and, and are able to um, communicate effectively um, the potential risks, potential harms, limitations, benefits, so that women are able to make an informed decision about whether or not you know, that trial is, is for them. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's so important. So... Uh Bring it more to you personally here. I'm curious, has anyone in your life been diagnosed with breast cancer or, or some other type of cancer? And has that given you any insights uh, from their experiences? Yes. So, you know, I guess serendipitously, I'm, I'm in cancer um, because it's a disease that affects my family. So my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. His father had prostate cancer. My uncles had prostate cancer. I've had two aunts with breast cancer and an aunt with vaginal cancer. Um, and, you know, I think the experiences that I've had with each of them, beginning with my dad, just navigating the cancer system is overwhelming. Um, so I did it as a 19 year old back in, in 2002, and I've done it most recently in, in, in 2018. 
And it didn't necessarily get any easier, despite all of this knowledge that I have about cancer and all this education I have when I try to navigate the system with my aunt, it was still incredibly complex, even for a person that lives, you know, in in and works in an area and in this space. And so um, really seeing some of the challenges and barriers up front, we talk about delays, delays in treatment and you know, non-adherence to long-term therapies. I can see why there are delays in non-adherence because the system is difficult to navigate. Um, and so some of those experiences has made me a real advocate for interventions like having nurse navigators or patient navigators just to help patients remember the many medications they have to be on and the many treatments and dealing with the side effects and, you know, all of these things. It, it really... Um, Unless you've been through it yourself or with someone firsthand, it, it really is a is a tough thing to wrap your head around. And so um, when I'm thinking about disparities, I'm thinking about it from seeing my own loved ones try and navigate those systems and the decisions that have to be made every day. Like, do I really want to take this medicine that's going to make me feel really crappy and then I can't go to work? and make money to put food on my table. Like those are real decisions for people. Um, and I think we have to be sensitive and, and aware of that um, when, when we're doing our research and, and when we're treating patients. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really important. I appreciate you, you just bringing that perspective and, and, and giving us that, that personal insight. Um, so tell us then about your relationship with Susan G. Komen. Yes. Yeah, so when I first arrived in Atlanta um, in 2016 um, at Emory, there was a task force that was built around reducing disparities in Atlanta, and, and Komen was a representative on that task force. So I met with the then director, um, Katie Stone, and um, you know we just sort of created a friendship around our, our mission to, to improve outcomes in low-income and, and minority women. Um, and from there, I just really got involved with Coleman Atlanta, you know, whether it was sitting on their Sisters of Promise advisory board or being at the walks and talking to women and their friends and, and caregivers about, you know, what is breast cancer? What's the latest research? Just wanting to be a part of, of the efforts and, and wanting to not just be in the background doing research, but also seeing the faces and, and putting the names to the data that we look at every single day. Um, and from there, you know, I became a Komen scholar, um, submitted a, a research proposal to Komen, and I was fortunate enough that it was funded. And so continuing to do that research and, and being able to share with the Komen community has, has really been a highlight of, of my work here at Emory. Wow, that's fantastic. So last question, uh, Dr. McCauley, you are a researcher. So I, I, I would assume that that kind of makes you very forward thinking, right? And so what do you think the future might look like in terms of breast cancer? What are you hoping for? What even seems possible? Well, you know, I, th I think one of the biggest things is around precision medicine. Um, can't have a discussion about research in cancer and, and not talk about, you know, the precision medicine that's coming with some of the newer therapies and technologies where, you know, you can target specifically your cancer, you know, the genetics of your cancer, the makeup of your cancer. And I think, you know, thinking about the, the latest and greatest in terms of immunotherapy and directed targeted therapy is, is all very important and is certainly going to be impactful for, for a lot of people's lives. Um, you know, my job is to make sure that, that those therapies are equitably accessible, right? Um, making sure that everybody has an, an opportunity to, to receive those. And 
Um, I do think we're going to make a lot of headway in, in treating cancers that have traditionally been difficult to treat, like the triple negative breast cancer subtype. Um, but I also think this other piece of understanding sort of the, the structural and social barriers that certain um, groups um, experience is, is going to make a huge impact. Um, it's changing the way we think about treating our patients. It's changing the way um, we look at our own biases. Um, and, and I think that's really going to be impactful for, for those individuals who have traditionally been left out of the four progress made um, in, in cancer work. Mm, yeah, that's right. Well, I'm very hopeful uh, that your research will make a huge impact on, on breast cancer and really appreciate and, and value the work that you do for this community. So uh, Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Ford Warriors and Pink for supporting The Real Pink Podcast. To learn more about their transportation grant program and other efforts to help breast cancer patients, visit FordCares.com. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.